Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and, and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your presence um, and thank you so much for your support every single day. Today we're going to talk about Kartavya, our duty. And we know we're talking about the new inauguration of the Indian Parliament. Um, Kartavya Pat, uh, inaugurated by the Right Honourable um, um, Prime Minister of India, um, Sri Narendra Modi, uh, and it was it was inaugurated earlier on today. Um, it was originally called uh, Kartavya Pat was originally called Rajput. Raj means king, so kingdom, the, the streets of the kingdom, the land, the, the path of the kingdom. But we're no longer a kingdom. Um, we're no longer a kingdom. We are a country, a republic, a democracy. Um, and so Rajput was changed um, to Kartavyapat, uh, and the Right Honourable Prime Minister inaugurated a stretch of undeveloped Central Vista uh, land from Central Vista um, from Rajpati Bhavan to India Gate that has been renamed from Rajput to Kartavyapat. And he also unveiled a statue of Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose. Um, Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose was the first Prime Minister of Akan Bharat who liberated the Andaman. Um, in 19 before 1947 and unfold the tricolor um so if after independence india followed the path of subhash and the both what heights would the country be today unfortunately this great hero of ours was forgotten after independence his views and symbols were associated were ignored um the renaming of rajput is said to be in line with the, the Prime Minister's Independence Day commitment to removing traces of our colonial mentality and mindset, uh, be it uh, Chris, uh, be it British, be it uh, European, be it uh, Islamic, uh, be it any type, um, any colonial mindset. According to the government, it symbolizes a shift from the area, from uh, the mentality of being an icon of power to duty, public ownership and empowerment, okay? That is very, very important. This is the most important part we're going to talk about today. It symbolizes a shift um, from the area being an icon of power, duty, and public ownership. Duty not only for um, the, the government, but duty of every single citizen, to invest in the action and not be bothered about the fruit of the action. That is what's important. Every single one of us has a duty. Our duty is not to point fingers at others. Our duty is not to uh, to uh, wait for government to look after us. Our duty is not to wait for our neighbors to look after us. Our duty is to empower ourselves with knowledge, re keep realign ourselves, keep evolving, keep realigning, and be in a constant state of evolution, balance uh, through knowledge, through dialogue, through healing and thereby emp empowering the society around us to be better, uh, to be aligned, uh, to be at peace, um, 
and move forward. Uh, so every single ha citizen has a duty. Kartavya. That was that was why uh, Lord Ram, Sri Ram, uh, is so well known uh, on the Indian subcontinent. Five thousand years ago, uh, he came. Five thousand years later, he still um, he he's still uh, very prominent in the heart. So Sri Ram, uh, his. The, the symbol of Sri Ram was his duty, his dharma. He kept his dharma not only as a king, but as a son. And, and our duty uh, is to do that for every single citizen. He empowers this mentality in us. We have unfortunately come to uh, um, a grinding halt. The civilization has come to an end, um, or coming to an end, and it's time to rise up. We have been invaded, occupied, um, and, and, and gone through the motions, the emotions, because we're cyclic, we have to do this, we have to come to, uh, um, to um, rock bottom and rise up. The sun has to set, but the sun has to, before it has to rise. So it's okay, it's, it's part, of our, uh, part of the journey of life. The wave has to end on the beach and go back. We cannot have it permanently at, at, at a high, uh, you know, going up. It has to come down. So it's okay to come down, it's okay to go to the darkness, but we will also rise up and that takes a duty. That doesn't mean submission. Submission to authority, to socialist authority, Marxist authority, is not the way we are going to rise up and to be a, an empowered nation, to, to, in, to be that Vishva Guru. We're not going to be doing that. We have to empower ourselves with knowledge, continuously change, evolve, and do our duty. Invest in the action, not the fruit of the action, and the currents will form our wave. So that is why uh, the Honorable Prime Minister changed it to Kartavyapat. Um, so um, how can Rajput, he said, make the rulers realize if the name is Raj? Rajput is a symbol of oppression because it's a symbol of kingship, feudalism. So uh, that means you have to subjugate people. Uh, nepotism, where you know only a certain family is on the top, uh, not, not, uh, not, not uh, the people below. I mean, you can have that if you want. That's really not a problem. However, uh, you're going into imperialism. If you want to go into imperialism, fine, and you say it. But don't use democracy and then uh, Hide it, use democracy as a cloak for your uh, feudal nepotism, is what he's trying to say. Um, but uh, Raj means king, so we don't want kings anymore. We, uh, should I say we don't want kingdoms? We are a republic. Uh, if we choose to be a kingdom, so be it. There's really nothing wrong with it. Um, it it's, it's the government, it's the people that make that decision. But uh, we choose to be a republic, we go forward. So today the architecture has changed, he said. Now when the MPs, ministers will walk on Kartavyapat, they realize their responsibilities. And that responsibility has to be realized for every single citizen. Rajput was witness to the dawn of India's independence and host of the annual Republic Day celebrations. Uh, the ceremonial boulevard running from Raisana Hill complex uh, to India Gate was first known as the Kingsway, um, a central axis in the city of New Delhi, built after the British Raj shifted its capital here from Kolkata uh, in 1911. Uh, the entire stretch has been revamped under the government's ambitious Central Vista redevelopment project. The area around India 
India Gate has not been spruced up with vibe, uh, had not just been spruced up, but will the vibe will change the area too towards more organized setup. The Amar Jawan Jyoti, um, a tribute to fallen soldiers, which was a key feature of India Gate, was shifted to the National War Memorial earlier this year. And the grand statue of Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose, housed in the India um, Gate canopy, is the centerpiece made from the monolithic block of granite weighing 280 tons. The statue stands 28 feet tall. The team of sculptors spent 26,000 hours with intense artistic endeavor. Uh, the government has assigned five dedicated vending zones uh, where 40 vendors each will be allowed which means the usual rush of ice cream vendors around India Gate will now be replaced by a regulated system. It is one of the most popular spots for locals, tourists alike. Two shop blocks with eight, eight units each have also been built near India Gate. Uh, to ensure there's no theft or damage, the new features, signage, lamps, fountains, uh, there would be heavy deployment of police and 80 security guards for the next couple of days. Uh, this was just one part of the mega project. The redevelopment of the Central Vista uh, includes a new parliament building, a common central secretariat, a new PM house and office, and a new vice president's enclave. So this, my friend, is uh, the Kartavya Pat. Uh, Kartavya Pat, um, Rajpat is now history. Uh, and so it is very, very important to understand Kartavya, our duty. It is every single one's duty. Uh, talking of duty, we have to talk about Lord Sri Ram. Like I said, his model, his symbolism to every single one of us and to history and to the generations to come is his dharma. Dharma is a grand umbrella term for duty, duty to realign your ba cosmic balance, your energy field, and thereby remain in a peaceful, tranquil state where you, f you surf the currents and the waves. You don't sink, you, you don't cause commotion, you surf. Um, and that, my dear friend, is, is the beauty of Dharma. It is not about submission, it is not about subjugation, it is about empowerment, it's about knowledge, it's about your duty, uh, not asking for rights, but uh, talking about your duty. We'll meet people halfway if every single one of us em empowers ourselves with a duty. Um, now, talking about duty, there is something that we have to talk about today. Uh, whatever your political hats, whatever your ideological hats, it's time to remove those hats and, and take a bow and, and talk about someone else who is empowered as a symbol of duty for the last 70 years, who unfortunately passed away today. I was in shock and so was the world. We were waiting for this moment because she was not well. Uh, and yes, I'm talking about Her Majesty the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, born in 1926, uh, just after the world, First World War, she came uh, into this world. She left earlier today. Uh, at the age of 96, my hat's off to her. We may not agree with a lot of political uh, 
polit politics around the world, the ideologies, but as a human being um, and as a symbol of, of uh, continuity, symbol of balance, symbol of duty, she there is no better person on this world as, as we speak today. She is the most knowledgeable, the most experienced person on the planet. There is no uh, leader, no politician, no, um, no economist who has so much of experience, who has so much of knowledge as her. She spans 70, dec 70 years at seven decades. She just celebrated it earlier this year. Um, she's got knowledge beyond the years. She's seen more people than anyone will ever will. She's got immense knowledge. She's a walking, she was a walking library. She went to the World War, Second World War. Uh, she was, uh, she's a World War veteran. While her generation, women did not have many opportunities. Uh, their school, life was a school for them. Life was their university. And, the, and for her generation, the Second World War was their university. They learned everything they had to learn in that period of four years or five years during the war. And by God, they came up with flying colors. Uh, well, I wouldn't say flying colors, but they did what they did. And, and, and because of that, our generations, wherever we are in the world, whoever we are, uh, we have to thank their generation for what they've left. They, they've given us the sacrifices they've made, whether you like the politics, you agree with the politics or not. They made many sacrifices, went to much trauma um, and, and, and and we have the freedoms and opportunities we enjoy today because of their generation. They had nothing. Uh, we have everything today, and yet we grumble. If you listen to their generation, you know that they will never grumble. You never hear your grandparents grumbling because they are so grateful for every single second of the day because they've been to the worst. They've been to hell and back. They are World War veterans, and the Queen is no different. She said at the age of 21, I will dedicate my life in service um, to you, whether it be long or short. And until the last day, uh, the day before she died, she inaugurated, or two days before she passed away, she uh, welcomed her 15 prime minister. Can you believe that? 15 prime ministers. Uh, she was sick. She was supposed to be at Buckingham Palace, but because of her ill health and she couldn't move, she remained at Buckingham Palace where she passed away. Uh, and she inaugurated the, 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 the first, the 15th Prime Minister of her reign, uh, the Right Honourable Liz Elizabeth Truss, uh, who beat Rich, Rich, uh, Rishi Sunak. Um, and uh, she passed away early on today. It was a sad moment. I was shaking. I was sad. Uh, she is the head of state of Canada. She symbolizes unity, uh, uh, continuity. She symbolizes uh, duty, her duty to her, to her country. Whether you like it, you don't like it, whether you're... Um, you're, you understand the ideology, you don't understand the ideo ideology. The United Kingdom was transitioning after the World Wars, uh, after 200 years of, of colonial rule. Um, we understand that uh, the United Kingdom would not had to transition in this very difficult period. She ensured that transition. She ensured that continuity and things were not, people were not in shock and slowly changed into a modern era. Uh, she underwent to many uh, traumatic phases, including her own family's troubles. Um, and uh, she she put her, her country first. She put her country first. She did not put 
her uh, her family first. Her family took the hit. Her family had to pay the price for what uh, she needed to do for the country. Be that glue, that umbrella that holds the country together. I remember there are four parts of the United Kingdom. There's England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And so any moment if there's no glue, the glue dissolves, the, the, that land is gone. So it's important, uh, very important. In Canada, she's the glue that holds the country together, the English part of the country and the French part of the country. Like I've mentioned in a previous podcast, um, you know, after the World Wars, after the Second World War, it was very easy for the people coming home uh, who were traumatized by the war to continue that war on in on Canadian soil. Um, you know, war doesn't stop after you finish on the battlefield. It continues in your head. It continues in your homes. It continues in your in your lives. And the currents keep forming the waves, and the the waves of trauma of uh, just keep coming and coming and coming. That's why you have so much of uh, negativity, vitriol. You have a uh, rape. You have theft, you have violence because that trauma of the waves, the cosmic waves in your mind, the energy field, it still keeps rolling until you heal. And that's why we have these podcasts. But uh, after the, the, you know, the Canadians came back from World War One, World War Two. They could have continued that war, and they did. They, uh, out of respect for the land, out of respect for the head of state, they uh, bowed their head uh, to a new monarch, a very young monarch, who was no longer an imperialist, but now uh, um, a head of state with less powers. The power rested with the people and no longer with the government and no longer with the imperial power um, and they were they took their ideologies they took their uh, quirks and their whims and fancies to educational institutions to parliaments to sp- speakers corners to halls where they debated ideas debated debated went to referendums they may have may have been plus minus but uh they managed to somehow use their um, freedom of speech and the ability to externalize their emotions, the ability to have that conversation and, and overcome that urge finally to divide. And it was in, in gratitude and in honor um, and acknowledgement of the honor and the valor of Her Majesty the Queen and also her father before that. Uh, so really they have ensured a transition at a very difficult time in our, in our history. Um, she is known around the world. She's the most famous person in the world. I don't know what it feels to be like that. My God, uh, kudos to her. She passed away, unfortunately. And uh, my condolences to her family, uh, the young members of her family, the new king, uh, King Charles III. And uh, besides all the uh, political and um, requirements and the constitutional requirements that are going to have to happen in the next few weeks. Uh, at the end of the day, they have lost their mother, their grandmother, their great-grandmother, and as as, as family members, they will mourn. And um, yes, unfortunately, um, you know, we have to take our hats off to her and acknowledge that what she has uh, been able to achieve. Um, her sense of duty is what I'm talking about. Duty to a land, to a country, uh, duty to the Commonwealth. Du- duty is her first name, and it was the it was the word. It's the most important concept of her generation. People talk about duty all the time, the duty of the queen. But if you hear anyone of that generation, they are all doing the same thing. It is our duty, they say. It's the first word that comes out 
of their mouth. It was our duty to do this. It was our duty to do that. So it's a word that was part of their generation. We've lost it. All of a sudden, after the world wars, we're so fed up of our duty that we went in all different directions. We exploded as volcanoes um, um, after the trauma and the turbulence of, of the Second World War. And we went into hippie drive, socialist, uh, communist, Marxist, uh, and all this ridiculous nonsense. Uh, we want rights, social democrats. We want rights. We want no, everyone forgot their duty. You do, no one has is obligated to give you a right. No one is obligated to give you that right. It is your duty to have do the the work, invest in the action. Automatically, the currents will form the rain, and you will get what you deserve. But no one's going to give you because you're you know Queen Mary or or God. Who are you? I mean, who is going to give you? Why should a government give you? A government is, is there for everyone, not for you. So it, it's not a government that didn't give you anything. It's a government. To, it is your duty to, to do the work, and life will give you back what you invest in it. So that sense of duty is lost. We're now with social rights, democratic rights, for uh, all the rights, the phobia, the Islamophobia. We scream more racism. We scream more... We scream more... Uh, uh, xenophobia, we scream intolerance, but we've forgotten how to do our duty. And this is what we need to remember from Her Majesty the Queen and her generation, the generation of our grandparents, that they they were able to achieve things even though they never had any opportunities. Half the the, the leisures and the, and the gizmos and gadgets that we have today, they didn't have anything. Half of them didn't even have electricity. Uh, there was no electricity in the world everywhere. People lived with still candlelights. There were no TVs, nothing. Uh, so um, they didn't even have phones, uh, everyone. Uh, villages didn't have phones. Um, so in spite of that, they were committed to doing their duty to the land. And this is what we have to remember, that generation. We have to get this back. We have to talk about this. Every single person is obligated uh, through his journey to do their duty, invest in the action, and the fruit of the action will come automatically. Um, and so Kartavya is very important. We use the word Kartavya today. We dedicate it to Her Majesty the Queen. We say thank you for your journey. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your dedication and your duty, of ser uh, your duty, your service to your nation and to whoever, to everyone who you have touched. Uh, we may agree or not agree politically, ideologically, but um, my hat's off to you and, to, uh, and thank you. Thank you very much for your service. We will remember you forever. You will mark our generation. Um, you will mark uh, a civilization. History will talk about you. Um, and we say, we take this time to say goodbye uh, till we meet again. Thank you so much for everything. Um, and we also at this time remind remind ourselves of one very, very important uh, king who did his duty, uh, Sri Ram, who, who symbolized the concepts of concept of duty uh, to every, not only for himself, but for every single citizen. It is important to understand the concept and empower yourself with duty to your land, to, to aligning with the geomagnetics of the land and the society around you. Um, and... Um, and, and that is called Kartavya. And today we dedicate this podcast to Kartavya Path, uh, which is uh, the new uh, name for Rajput in Delhi, uh, something that we need 
to talk about something which you need to discuss and research. Um, uh, it is the new symbol of a, of, of a new generation uh, that is the start and the symbol of India's journey forward. Kartavya. Uh, very, 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 very important. Um, and so we're going to do our duty, my friends. We're going to talk about history. We're going to talk about something very important. Uh, as we say, uh, the most important thing in our life is duty. Through knowledge, we have to gain our knowledge. Every single junction in life where we come to, instead of uh, instead of pointing fingers at others and just being angry on a plantation of anger all the time, you have to go to certain points. Very important. One is to have that conversation, um, gain the knowledge, make every single junction into an intellectual laboratory. Uh, Ask what you can learn, okay? Always look for what you can learn. What can I learn from that junction in life? What are the lessons I can learn? Instead of pointing fingers at others, you have to say, what are the lessons I can learn from those lessons, from those junctions in life, from the currents that form our wave? What can I embody myself with to be better, to change, to realign, and to heal? That is very important. So um, we'll repeat that once again. Uh, our duty in life uh, is, uh, dharma, our duty in life is to have that conversation, gain the knowledge, make every single junction into an intellectual laboratory uh, from 360 degrees, uh, ask ourselves what can I learn from every single junction, what can I improve, what can I be better, and what are the lessons I have learned from the past um, to heal and move forward like currents and waves. Um, that is something that we need to ask ourselves, every single human being. Uh, and today what we're going to learn is something from my ancient world that will help us. We always say, um, there are some uh, groups that say, well, the first uh, university was formed in uh, Fez, Morocco. I'm sorry, it's not the case. The first continuous university. No, there, there have been universities in this country long before, in India, long before, um, you know, uh, Fez, Morocco. Um, and God knows how many we've lost that we don't remember. But yes, I found there is one institution um, which uh, goes back uh, to 740 AD continuous institution. Uh, it is called, um, we talked about Goa yesterday, and so we are going to talk about Goa again today, the Gaudapad Acharya Kavale Mat. So I'll repeat that, uh, the Gaudapad Acharya Mat. Um, also known as the Kavali Mat, loca located in Kavali Ponda, Goa. It's the oldest Mat or Adi Mat, uh, Vedic monastery of the Dakshinatya, South Indian Saraswat Brahmins. It was founded by Viva Rananda Saraswati Swami Gauda Pacharya in around 740 AD, who, whose guru was Govinda Bhagya. Uh, Bhagavata Pada, uh, that was the guru of uh, Adi Shankaracharya, who in turn, who in turn, disciple, it was a disciple of Adi Guru, guru Gaudapad Acharya. That was tongue twisting. 
There's also belief that the Adi Guru Gaudapacharya himself established the Sri Gaudapacharya Mat when he lived in Goa, then called Gomantak. Thus, the Mat came to be known as the Sri Shaustan um, Gaudapacharya Mat. Unlike other Mats, Sri Gaudapacharya Mat is not a polyemic polemical center established to influence the fate of all Hindus. Its juris, uh, jurisdiction is limited only to the Dakshin uh, Atya Saraswat Brahmins. Uh, the head of monk of the Math uh, is called the Sri Gaudapacharya um, Rajpur Saraswat Brahmins and Samakta Gaud Saraswat Brahmin sects are the main disciples of this Math. So what is a mutt? For those who don't understand it, mutt means a dog. Uh, no, that's not the true word. A mutt is an institution, is an uh, institute or an institution. Okay. Um, so when a social institution develops around sacred uh, precincts of a temple, it is called a mutt or an ashram. So you have a temple, uh, and around the temple, when social institutions uh, are around the sacred uh, precincts of a temple are formed, they are called mutts. M the big temples in ancient and medieval India are part of the biggest uh, of a bigger entity called mutt. So a temple is not just for praying. Nowadays we use a temple for praying, but a a temple is not for praying. A temple was always a place of knowledge where you went to heal your chakras because every temple was on an electromagnetic fault line. So you went for to, to heal your uh, ataman, the, the chakras, to undo the knots and to learn about your magnetic cosmic field, learn about the knowledge. Every single temple was a, an institution in itself. Um, and um, and when a, most of the big temples in ancient medieval India were part of a bigger unity, so they were one part of a bigger unity called Mat, um, and uh, these institutions uh, either called Mat or Ashram. A Mat is a spiritual uh, establishment of Dharmic tradition, including Jainism and Buddhism. It's a place where saints and meditational practitioners follow the Dharmic code, residing around temple life of meditation quite reflection with the goal of self-realization. It is a vast and complex spiritual, uh, uh, cultural and e social economic entity. So mat, okay, that is norm normally part of the uh, vast, um, uh, it is a part of the, uh, the, the living area around the temple. Uh, a mat can does many things. Okay, a mat is a is a dharmic monastery with a temple or many temples at its center. So you have the temple at its center, and you have the mat around. The temple is a dominant has a uh, is of a dominant deity and sect. And most of these temples are substitute shrines of other deities too. So a mat is a center of learning. It is also home to many priests, uh, spiritual seekers who learn the practice of meditation and study. Shastras such as Vedas, Upanishads, 
agamas, nigamas, and so on. A mat is a social economic entity. There are many cottage industries within a mat using the produce of its farmlands. The local people are engaged in this microeconomy. They also they till the land of the mat, which has given them on a lease. They grow produce for themselves, and the mat is has also for selling in the market. The mat combines agriculture, industry, trade based on indigenous products. The mat is also a center for learning and propagating arts and crafts. Renowned temple architecture expert uh, Champa Lakshmi, referring the to the institution of the mat as a temple, writes, in the pre-modern era of Indian history, the role of the temple as an institutional focus of development is underscored by the temple's social economic outreach as a landowner, organizer and rural, urb of rural and urban activities, provider of educational and other facilities such as medical help, hospitals, and above all, as centers of cultural activities such as arts, paintings, sculpture, apart from architecture, music, dance, and most significantly, a symbol of political power. Amat is also a, a, a social welfare institution. Um, Every month runs a social welfare institution like school for poor children, for differently able and marginalized sections of society, hostels for children who cannot afford it, old age homes for the elderly and widows and orphans, hospitals for the benefit of the poor sections of society, gaushalas for preservation of indigenous breeds of cattle and for the propagation of healthy food habits. A mat is a center for preservation of cultural heritage of, of the land. So every mat has, has a temple at the center. A Hindu temple combines architecture, sculpture, and painting in one exquisite structure. Not only this, it also incorporates performing arts such as music, singing, and dancing. Most of the temple and the mats have been centers of cultural activity for the ages harboring great artists and giving them a livelihood and platform to perform. The mat is a center of uh, great literature great literature. Saints and scholars study and meditate in the mat and, cr and create great literature for the benefit of prosperity. A mat is also a center for charity. People give charity to these mats in the money and kind. Um, and the mat gets this charity from the rich as well as the poor. In the past, kings and administrative authorities also have grants, to, uh, gave grants to temples for mats. In turn, the mats help the poor of the society and the locality. Most of the beneficiaries of the system are the poorest of the society. In this way, the surplus wealth of society is redistributed in society through uh, the agency of the MUT. Till independence, MUT functioned as a legal aid uh, clinic for rural population. In some cases, they still do. Just about 100 years ago, people in rural areas looked towards a MUT for solving their disputes based on ethical and moral standards as laid down in the and interpreted according to the needs of time. The MUT also functions as a social security system. In, they help in times of general emergencies like fund, floods, famines, epidemics, and other emergencies by providing that relief work. They help the poor, marginalized, and the downtrodden. 
So it would be an exaggeration to say that till recently the Math was one of the most important institutions in, of India. Since independence, its authority has decreased a little, but it is nowhere near insignificant. The most beautiful thing about the Math was that despite being a spiritual, uh, cultural, e social, economic, social welfare paralegal institution, it was never a political institution. It is quite unlike uh, an exact uh, opposite of the church in medieval uh, Europe, an equivalent institution of the uh, Ummah in Islam. The two entities function as different kinds of institutions at different times. Um, uh, but one thing was always common in them: they were always highly, uh, they were always highly political, interfering the affairs of the state, um, that is the church and the Ummah and Islamic institutions, interfering in affairs of the states, dictating political terms, even forming armies of their own, clashing with the states with rival claims to power. A mutt in India is exactly the opposite. It has been very kind of, it's the very kind of an institution as described above, except being political. This is the reason why there have been no great wars even between mutts and various states in India, like the papal wars in Europe. Uh, the mutt in India acted as an integrative force instead. This is fascinating, this, um, it is the fascinating story of the temple role uh, as an in integrative institution and its contribution to the development of creative arts such as architecture, sculpture, painting, drama, dance, um, allied arts such as crafts, bron uh, bronze casting, jewelry making and so on that are highlighted. Ritual festivals and idea of pilgrims that created a network of temple centers and sacred geography continue to emphasize the integrative role of the temple sub in the, on the subcontinent. The importance of the mutt in Indian social science was not missed by foreign invaders of India. In the north, the mutts, both Buddhists and Hindus, were primary targets of Islamic invaders, uh, as it was understood that by destroying the mutt uh, amounted to destroying the spiritual and cultural, socio-economic node of the society. Many mutts were destroyed by the ravaging Muslim armies in the north, and this destruction continued uh, consequently affected the life of people too. In the north, after many centuries of Islamic invasion and destruction, the institution of Math deteriorated and the term ashram has become more popular. In the south, where Hindu traditions have gone almost undisturbed for thousands of years, the institutions of Math continues its ancient glory uh, with its name intact. To sum up, the Mutt emerged as a central definitive uh, institution dominating the social and economic landscape of India. Not only was it central to the spiritual life of the people, it was also central to the social economic life. Wherever it was left untouched, the tradition remained undisturbed. The Mutt developed into incorporate, uh, developed in to incorporate the whole city within its confines. Sri Ranga. Sri Rangam in Tiruchapalli being the primary example. An, un an understanding of the Indian society with without understanding the Hindu mat would be incomplete. So far, not many efforts have been done to see the, Himbal, uh, the Vedic temple uh, as a living system, as a platform of arts, humanities, sciences, came together with people from every walk of life and created an institution unprecedented in human history. So, um... 
that my dear friend is a mutt it's very very important to understand a mutt uh like i just mentioned um it is absolutely gorgeous uh research it uh, these, this is our heritage from ancient Vedic India. Uh, this is what we need to re-establish on on uh, on the Indian on Indian soil. The muds have to be uh, rejuvenated in the Indian system. So the best you could do is research these muds, uh, research what they did. Um, and you can also uh, then uh, visit these mats, contribute to them through um, volunteer efforts uh, to help them, to help them get better. Um, and yeah, finally, uh, you can uh, resurrect the, the, the Vedic uh, landscape by, by resurrecting these mats, these centers of education, these centers of social economic life, um, and basically uh, rejuvenating the, the population, uh, which has been which has been having a devastating effect um, on Indian soil um, through Islamic invasions. So on that note, I will take your leave. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, we talked a little bit about mats about the Goa mat. Um, the Kavali mat in Ponda originally um, said to be. In, to be created around 740 AD, and my dear friend, uh, this mud um, still goes on to, till today. It was it it was uh, broken down by the Portuguese, and for 70 years there was nothing, and after that they rebuilt it, uh, and it's sort of gone on till today. So it's very very important to understand the, the concept of the mud. It's also important to understand the concept of the Kavali mat at Ponda Goa. The next time someone tells you, well, the oldest institution of uh, knowledge, uh, uh, conjuring knowledge was in, in uh, Mecca, and sorry, in uh, in Morocco. Uh, it was not. There were plenty of institutions and a continuous institution besides, with an exception of 70 years, at the Kavali mat in Goa. Uh, so that too, I'm going to be putting on my Facebook page, Religions, Regimes and Refugees, and you're most welcome to access it. Till then, stay safe. Please remember to share this with uh, with any amount of people you want, um, and we'll take it from there. So thank you for your time. Stay safe. Uh, a, a small prayer for Her Majesty the Queen uh, today, and what we can learn um, from this journey and, and go forward from there. Uh, so thank you and see you tomorrow.